welcome to episode 6 of the LES. This week we talk about the women in music. Because we're just three blokes, we got four of our friends to send in some voice notes. They're fans and musicians and they talk about the changes they want to see for women in music. Sit down and soak it up. She was like, it's not, I don't know if it's been nervous, but it doesn't hurt. I, like, I know it doesn't hurt, but I'm 24. <laughs> and I'm about to get my ears pierced. And I'm hungry. I just don't know what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, worst part actually was that Claire's, I went in there and I said, oh, I'm here to get my ears pierced. Under my breath. And then the woman who does the ear piercing wasn't there. She was on her break. Oh, and really? I had to wait in Claire's for like 20 minutes. Oh, oh no. It was... And they were playing some shit music as well. <laughs> and it was just, it was all getting on top of me. But you got through it, mate. And you succeeded and it looks good. You're next, Al. Yeah. Nipple? No. I didn't do it for you, mate. Because we can't all look the same. Got the same ear piercing. Yeah. Same side, same yeah. style. No, Come yours is the right. No, I got, I got both sides. Oh, yeah. Oh, gracious. So man. one was Claire's, one was uh, fucking dance floor of live lunch. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, came up with a big hoop in my head. Story for another day, that is. Uh, but I mean, we just want Al to get a nipple piercing and all three of us can get into the Bergheim. <laughs> no questions asked. Fishnet top, baby. Yeah. I don't know, man. But we wouldn't have, well, you would have seen it, but we're in the same room, so you can. Bane actually put this earring in for me about 10 minutes ago. Damn right, I did. And that wouldn't have happened if we weren't in the same room. <laughs> well, I mean, I got no, no, no problem putting earrings in for the boys because. The amount of times I've had to ask the boys to put earrings in for me is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, I wonder man. how many people can relate to that. Yeah. Fucking the amount of times the boys have to put an earring in for me. <laughs> it's not a phrase that's easy relatable. <laughs> so I'll just treat you back in the same room though, isn't it? Absolutely great. Oh, Absolutely great. Yeah. Day before lockdown in Cardiff though. So I know. It's going to be a toughie. But uh, no, it's nice to get together. Nice to have a bit of a yarn. Big topic this evening. It is a big topic, not yeah. one to be underestimated by any party really either. No. It's been a while in the making as well in terms of our thought process. Yeah. And as a, you know. So we've been formulating this one for a little while. Um, I think it's, so like the idea of this episode is going to be um, women in the music industry. Um, so this one kind of came into concept back in April. Um, when some pretty awful news came out about Tom Meegan, 
How do you pronounce it? Oh, it's May. It's May. It was July. July. Oh, there you are. Even better. We're not that far behind them. No. How do you pronounce it? Sorry. Tom Meehan. Tom Meehan, uh, of Kasabian, um, had been convicted of domestic abuse, um, and that's something we wanted to talk about um, as a group of as a, as a media outlet, but we couldn't quite formulate the right. It's a very difficult concept to talk about in under any circumstances. Yeah. And doing it over Zoom just made it increasingly yeah, more certainly. And now the fact that we're all in the same room and we're having a bit of time to digest it and also then talk to our friends, you know, female friends who, who not participate in the music scene, but, you know, are, are, are present in it, enjoy yeah. it, and it is a form of entertainment for them. Yeah. But their opinions as well, haven't They're we? They're as, pr- as present in it as we are, but they have, unfortunately, more things to think about because... And a different like perspective. Yeah. yeah. So basically, this episode has developed further from us just talk, talking about Tom Meehan into um, what it's like being a female in the music industry. Yeah. Um, um, what we're not going to do this evening is just sit here and talk about it from the perspective of, of three blokes. We've actually got a few voice notes from some friends um, that we're going to be playing and have a little bit of a chit-chat about them. And... Uh, and yeah, so it's, the whole idea is that it's not our perspective. Um, yeah. Providing a platform to, to voice yeah. other perspectives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, so it's worth beginning of explaining what happened with Tom Meehan, right? So he, damn right, yeah. In July, he was convicted of domestic abuse with his partner. Um, and as a result, he's now kind of parted ways of Kasabian. Um, yeah, and was, he was convicted, he pled guilty to what happened. Um, and I don't know. It just put a lot of shockwaves within the me- within the music industry, right? Because it it's kind of essentially you know broke saving apart, which is a, a small matter in the grand scheme of things, and then it shed light on the fact that you know one of the biggest stars in, in British rock music has you know a major flaw, which is a history of domestic abuse. We call it a flaw, you know. Yeah. Some of that. The difficult thing is is to preface it all before this came out. We we were all, each and every one of us, huge Kasabian yeah. fans. You know, the guys came up through that rave scene that played rock and roll and their tunes are just, you know, everybody knows Kasabian tune. Yeah. Every UK 20-year-old yeah. you know, knows who Kasabian are. Yeah. And we've all seen them live on multiple occasions. We had a bloody great time, haven't we? But, you know, this is when stuff like this comes out, it just... It just it, it really throws the cat amongst the Yeah, it makes us question and, uh, how we feel about Kasabian. Yeah, really so is the taste. Yeah, it, it does. Really does, it, does. The taste. it does. But there's also, you know, and there's no making excuses for what he's done at all, but it's been pretty well documented that he's been struggling himself yeah, internally, yeah. hasn't it? For, for, his entire, for his entire career and his yeah. entire life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Between, like, drugs, alcohol, um, and the rest of it, nervous breakdowns. And that in absolutely no way makes it acceptable no, yeah, of course. not yeah. at all not at all yeah but people know it's underlying don't they so yeah it's difficult but you know we're here about talking about how everybody else feels as well off the back of this and that's what sparked this this discussion tonight, and then you think about Kasabian and it, it, it it's more impactful because you, like you said you think about Kasabian who are probably one of the biggest British bands in the last 20 years you know within company of other bands and as a result, and you know how many how many female fans do they have across the country? They have absolutely millions. Yeah. Know? And how do they feel 
about it now, going to gigs generally or having been to a Kasabian gig where, you know, the man on the stage who hundreds of thousands of people were worshipping has been convicted of crimes that were very damaging to females. So how does that feel as a female fan going to gigs? Well, I suppose that within that genre, males and females, isn't yeah. it? I think it, may, it makes everybody question their how, how they feel. Yeah, and it's, if we kind of get into a point of saving now, do you separate the artist from the art? It's like with Michael Jackson. Like, can you still listen to Michael Jackson? Like, the teams are still just as good as they were, but the stories come out. Can you still enjoy his music as much? And same with like uh, J.K. Rowling with Harry Potter, like with her like coming out with like turf comments essentially. Mm. Oh yeah, um, like and a lot of her fans, not just like feeling so exacerbated with her, and so disappointed in one of their heroes that they can yeah. like vocalize those sort of things. And again, like I, 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 it's like, can you still enjoy Harry Potter because? J.K. Rowling's a turf, can you still enjoy um, Kasabian going to see them live or listening to their music can because you? of his actions? Can you? I, I still haven't made my mind up. Um, and I like, I f- f- if we want an example with Michael Jackson, I fleet back and forth. I'll be like, fuck, I can't listen to it now. And then like sometimes I'm like, no, actually, I can do it. I can separate the art from the artist. So I don't know. I, I, have, I haven't listened to Kasabian since. It's still quite raw. The new yeah, still it's quite so raw. recent, yeah. isn't it? Well, I mean, we're not even 12 weeks gone yet, but we are 16 weeks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, but the thing is, probably a point I've come back to a few times tonight, is that when you think about separating the arts from the art, a lot of people, the easy answer for a lot of people is that, um, you know, what, uh, what's he got to do with that? You know, shouldn't take it so personally. It's nothing to do, the, the music's not about that, but this, that's not what the problem is. The problem is, is the future of music and the future of music fans and when they're you know they're 12 years old and they're a girl and they hear that it then makes them question whether or not they want to do i want to go down that path in that industry when this is happening if it makes younger people question how they feel about the genre it's not for people who are 40 or 50 and are established and know and you know understand their thoughts it's about the future people Mm -hmm. and that's what needs to be understood because you know, you can quite easily separate the art from the incident, but that's not the point. It's about understanding the in, the reverberations of someone with that much cultural throughout society. Power. Yeah. yeah. Which is a good point about what responsibility do do rock and roll performers rock rock and roll performers in general performers in general you know yeah male female yeah hip hop rock music pop music what they have on on yeah the effect that they have on society. When it comes down to issues like this, do, do, do you think we're going in the right direction though? Because if you like think back to like 50 years ago and consider how hedonistic like music was and like going on tour and all the rest of it was, um, so do you think that we're actually going in the right direction and it's becoming a bigger issue when people are talking about it more and, it's, and then we're at like a a change in tide uh, potentially but the issue is is that the, the people who want to behave badly will evade those things because so 50 years ago the social standards were very different and um, you know th- there was less of a movement to empower women because of the social constructs whereas now there's a big feminine movement yeah. and the um, 
patriarchy or the manipulation comes in a more cerebral way where it's less about these overt acts of doing this. Yeah. It's more about... It's a bit manip- more COVID. Yeah, and it's kind of like political power over women and you know controlling real estate of music. So it's a bit more doing, systematic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As opposed to doing acts which you know are derogatory. Yeah. It's systematic and it's political. Which is unfortunate to hit... Like, right... We talk about acts and stuff like that, like that are not very savoury. Um, I was quite sad to hear that uh, the Growlers were on the raw end of it. Yeah. Um, I say raw end of it, rightly so, to be honest, from some actions that they did when they were on tour. Um, and granted, you can't excuse their actions, but their and their an apology is only an apology doesn't reverse their actions. But the message that they put out was actually quite moving and res- not moving, but they, you could see that there was lessons to be learned, yeah. and they've learned their lessons and they vocalized them um, to their to their audience. Um, so, like, if there is like fans, fourteen year old, fourteen year old boys who might read Keith Richards's autobiography. But the hedonistic times in the sixties, seventies, and eighties, yeah. thinking, "Wow, this is the this is, that's awesome!" Like I want a slice of that, and then actually understanding the reality of it when you read the growlers, like I think it's like an Instagram post, like of notes, screenshot of notes, reading all that. I think it kind of brings into focus that shit, your actions has consequences. Yeah, and I think that's a big lesson for. Young people, not just young men, young people to learn. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, acknowledging the mistake. Because it's not about cancel culture. It's about acknowledging, and that's what then leads to the growth. Yeah. And going forward. And I think, it's coming back, I guess, to what Alex said, is British rock and roll has, you know, it's such so culturally important. It has as many female fans as it has male fans. And... You know whether you like it or not. Traditionally, looking back, it has been dominated by male acts who, whose experience. Yeah, it, it, we're not asking for male artists to alter their lyricism to be more universal because we want them to speak their truth. But at the same time, just the way that music has been dominated politically for the last fifty years, the lyrics that go out are very male-dominated, and that's not proportionate to the percentage of fans who are female as well. So the question is how because we never understood it, because we're young men, how do females feel being in a crowd at a gig for you know, a British rock and roll artist who doesn't necessarily represent female values as much? What like, does that feel like? Absolutely a great time to listen to what the girls got to say. Mm. Yeah. We're saying that we've got you know, a couple of ladies this evening who have shared their experiences, views, opinions of their own personal experiences within going to gigs as a, as a fan, uh, as an artist, and, and just as a general music music lady, music person. So it's probably worth diving this, in and seeing what they're going to say. This is Holly, right? Your, this is your friend, huh? Mm-hmm. Holly Taylor. I think the first thing that came to mind when I read your message was mosh pits. And, like, that's my immediate experience of feeling unsafe at a gig or festival or something. Like, I've definitely felt quite frightened as a woman that like the tight space that you're in and then when that starts happening it can make me feel super claustrophobic and the idea that I could be overpowered and that 
it's kind of closing in on me is is you know often quite stressful but at the same time I do know women who have felt patronized by men who have sort of not included them in in that like they've started like a mosh pit and have been actively like excluding women from it or who have kind of made patronizing comments about like oh are you sure you want to stand at the front you know it might get intense here and you don't know what you're in for kind of thing and and you know these women are people that really enjoy that so I suppose that as with most things it just comes down to being mindful of the atmosphere and the people around us um but specifically being aware that women want to be there like they want to be at these gigs it's not for any other reason other than that they enjoy music and you know just as much as like the guy who might be standing next to them they have a right to be there and to enjoy it so respecting people's experiences regardless of of gender because I think there can be maybe a tendency to like undermine women's experiences a bit um I think because I tend to go to smaller gigs um and like indie gigs I have felt safer like it would be if somebody were to you do something inappropriate or do something that might make me or another woman feel like in danger or feel really unsafe then you know in like rough trade in Bristol or whatever that would be super obvious and it wouldn't be quite so kind of you know people would look around the room and be like what are you doing um but definitely have experienced um like inappropriate behavior or felt unsafe at festivals and I think that tends to be like speaking to friends that seems to be like the same kind of thing like I'm I'm not sure why that's specifically such a problem but I did read a statistic recently that it was something like 250,000 uh, women are sexually assaulted a year at, at, at festivals so you know it's obviously like a big problem I don't know whether it's because people feel like they can get away with that kind of behaviour when it's hidden in a crowd or they feel like that's their kind of like right to do that in that situation. But it certainly seems to be a bit of a breeding ground for that kind of behaviour. Um, and yeah, that's I think specifically like women often feel like they can't avoid those situations or can't can't get out of them in the same way that they would in other circumstances like you're stuck in a crowd it can be really difficult like to to leave that situation like physically because you can be so closed in but also like you don't want to lose your friends like you don't want to ruin other people's nights by suggesting that somebody leaves the crowd with you and like misses the music like you know there might not be a authority figure like a security person or like a member of staff there that you feel you can turn to and so I do think that women are more likely to suffer and also just endure like that kind of like behavior that can make you feel super unsafe when they're in those situations because yeah just of the like mass of people there um like I do think that that could be solved by having better security at festivals um, or in like big like mass event like gigs like that but I think for me again it like all boils down to the lack of understanding that women are there to enjoy music as well and that they're not at festivals to get picked up or they're not asking for male attention like women are just as likely to be there because they want to enjoy the gig and listen to the music as much as the guys that are there and like that could yeah that it need there needs to be better acceptance of that 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 women are worthy of that place 
in the crowd at the gig or in the band or just in the music industry is like a wider concept that like if we all treat each other with that same respect that we're all there because we want to be and we're into it and it's something that we enjoy then I think we'd all be so much more likely to be able to keep each other safe and make sure that we all feel included and in a way that is you know safe and comfortable for us all. Thanks all for sending that through Holly and I went to school together she's a musician as is her partner Doug and um, obviously their stuff will be linked linked throughout so thanks guys yeah but a seriously interesting perspective and not one that we would have well like and granted we were just talking about mosh pits as if like ah yeah if you're struggling there's always an arm there or you could just get sent up and stuff like that but like that's our perception of it and it's like oh yeah it's not it's not too bad like you know we've been been in like thousand people strong mosh pits in Annie Paddy been in like a hundred people strong in club and like yeah. You feel fine, but then that's our experience mm-hmm. as yeah, as like men who uh, can physically be able to sort of handle that a little bit. Exactly, exactly. Like, well, we're quite we're all pretty big men. Like, other than Al, we're we're all over six foot. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 will, I mean, I'm coming in heavy though. Don't that yeah, wouldn't dig me. Well, I've like, got <laughs> fucking noodle arms, so it's right. <laughs> balance out. You know, I know, mate. My guns are unreal. <laughs> But like what I'm trying to say is like like it's it's a different world. Yeah. And like I can understand why uh people would feel threatened in that situation. And it, it you this is physically intimidating. Yeah. You lose your breath because you're bouncing and you're fucking yeah. physically exerting yourself and then couple that with like not like being disorientated, it is yeah. it's an intimidating beast for the place to be if you find that intimidating. Yeah. And that's that's regardless of gender as well. It's just chaos, and yeah. when you're at the end of your, when you can't breathe and you're hanging out, you you know you're sucking on some oxygen. Yeah, yeah. but then ninety. But this is the thing. Then ninety percent of the time is that gigs. If you're at a, if you're at a um, gig where you're in the mosh pit, which is usually in the front sort of area, um, you're with people who are, you know, very passionate fans, and most of them will know that the etiquette amongst mosh pits is, you know, if someone is injured or hurt or they fall down, you pick them yeah. up. So that is a very good point. There is an etiquette in there. Yeah, yeah there's there is. an unspoken and etiquette. Some just, I think that what, what Holly's alluding to is that some people take advantage of that etiquette. Yeah. Yes. Don't they? It's like the, there's no honour amongst thieves and that. It's that There is an etiquette amongst that place. Yeah, there and, is. Um, That's quite sad to, to hear, really, that, like, there's people who take advantage of that etiquette. Yeah. Really, really sad to hear. What she also alludes to, which is important for women to keep doing, is to not is to is to still participate in these crowd things, regardless yeah. of that. Because the minute you 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 sort of acknowledge that is the minute that men begin to patronise the women in the mosh pit, and that's why it's important. Bands like Idols and Frank Carter are saying, get bringing in there. attention to yeah, it, yeah, get, get in, in there, there and yeah. fucking like this is. I mean, Frank Carter's been known to stop it if there's not a lady in there. Yeah. You know, and he yeah. starts, he, he has a song, I think it's called Roses or something, and that whole thing is all about just females, just crowd surfing. And, but, by, you know, and by doing that, he, he then the fans <laughs> go, oh, this is not a place to be taking advantage of women in this mosh pit because he wants us to part, you know, Perfect. coexist with exactly. the women in the crowd. Like, it's not about... Um, considering the, the, <laughs> the type of music that he plays, I've got to give it to him, man. He's, he's the nicest man in rock and roll, but, you know... But then, what we'll come back to later with the artists though is 
what that would then create if more female artists were on bigger stage and headlining festivals was that would be then that women would be feel more represented within a venue and a music space where by if they're in a mosh pit in a crowd there shouldn't be any advantage being taken of them because they're being the person who's on stage being idolized and watched is a woman yeah. so then that has a domino effect yeah <laughs> it's like it's like it's like having an entry point for women to have an experience in mosh pits some may never ever go into a mosh pit because they feel intimidated yeah um and then there's some that won't ever go back into it because it was too much um also oh talking about festivals then so glastonbury i don't know if you boys know have um is i think it's like in the southeast corner or what you call it it was uh sisterhood which is a female only venue where it's not know that. female only lineup only women are allowed and like just and i think the the direct quote um from like Glastow is that it's a space oh no it's not a direct quote but safe space for women um, <clears throat> away from the gaze of men or something like that it was like the quote yeah but it's like literally female only in this uh, part of Glastow well that's the it's th- fantastic that that is celebrated and they give people the space to do that yeah but it's sad that it has to be a thing yeah yeah this but, is where venues this is what Holly was saying right the venues the, the right the small venues across the city like Bristol and Cardiff they promote the right values it's the festivals and potentially the bigger gigs that fall into the worry because they attract peop- a wider audience of people who aren't necessarily regular gig goers who Don't who are there the for the music they're necessarily yeah. there you know, how, they, you know think how many people go to Glastonbury per year who you know, they love like music, but they're not there to watch that. They're there to just go and get fucked for the five days. Yeah. So they're there to be at Glastonbury. Yeah, and as a yeah. result, their behaviour just transcends into that, you know, category of behaviour. Yeah. That well, yeah, the amount of people that uh, Holly mentioned that get sexually assaulted at UK festivals is far too many. And, like, one is still far, far too many. many. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And that, that then comes into, comes into the point that these festivals and these... Music is the vehicle and the facilitator for people, bad people, to do bad things and go under the radar, as opposed to, do you know what I mean? And that's a shame. And that's where the small venues are really doing a good thing in terms of promoting culture. But this is this is where the the bigger the commercialization of festivals and big gigs run the risk of creating this problem. Yeah, scale is scale is the issue. Yeah, yeah. scale is the issue. Um, like you can you can walk into like certain gigs and you can smell like a friendly atmosphere yeah and then you can walk into some gigs and it, and typically they are the bigger gigs um, arena sort of things where you can kind of like a bit of angst in it's a bit of angst like yeah. yeah like you know if like you say like you're in a smaller venue and you work your way down to the front like it's like oh look I'm heading in for, Head in for the mosh pit when it kicks off. Like, you know, I'm going to be out your way and like, whatever. And they're like, yeah, fine, you carry on. Or like, oh, mate, can you just move a little bit? Yeah, fine. But then like, you go to like, bigger venues, there's a bit more like, elbows here, elbows there. You get a little bit of like, a whiff of like, yeah, aggression from a lot of people. And I think that that kind of like, atmosphere kind of, or places where that atmosphere is found is often where the behaviours that we're talking about this evening 
often happen. And that's why rock and roll music and music with heavy riffs and stuff should be disassociated with masculinity quicker because this is when you go in there and you hear the riff and you're like, oh, I'm getting fired up and it's an excuse to behave aggressively and it's not needed. Like, mm. you're not there to get wound up by the thing and fucking have a fight or touch a girl and be inappropriate there to listen to the music. Yeah. And that's not... I remember when we went to Temperance Movement in Bristol and we did what you were saying. We were pushing to the front to get to the what near the mosh. And some Moving guy got, to the front. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we were snaking towards the front. And some guy got really angry with us. But standing in front of him, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and he found out that you guys were from a similar area, like, and stuff, or he knew someone who you guys knew, and he his mood changed up that. So it yeah. just proved that he's he was he was literally looking for trouble. And unfortunately, then who knows where that trouble would have led had we not established that whether it was a mutual friend or a mutual, yeah. which yeah. is that that's the attitude that people go into gigs with. And I don't want you know I don't want to make it anecdotal because it's not, but. This is where the massive gigs that the, you know, the huge gigs that might come back, like, you know, you get the Stone Roses and like Oasis and who then draw like huge crowds of people who wouldn't go to a gig, and they'll fucking you know drink a crate before and do a load of coke or something and they'll get aggressive and that's when that's the gigs where these things happen. Well, they pull those parts of society into the experience that yeah. wouldn't normally be there. Yeah. Yeah, sure, and and I think like it's worth noting as well, like towards the end of Holly's message, there was like a little bit of like um, there there was something calling out to me at the end of that voice note. They were saying there's a, not just a role for the security of the festival or the gig, is a role for the participants at that gig as well. Everybody going that to that gig. This is the etiquette of being in a mosh pit, but it should be the etiquette of going to a gig. If you see something untoward, something that shouldn't be happening, happening, then that you should take it upon yourself to in, instigate, to to mitigate, to stop it from happening, um, and not fall victim to the bystander effect. No, absolutely. Um, or being like, oh, there's so many other people here, they'll, they, somebody will do it. Fucking take it upon yourself and do yeah. it. So I think the other thing we're saying is, don't fucking stop going. Yeah. yeah. 99.9% of everybody else in the crowd wants to be in a crowd full of other fans and if mm. you're a fan male, female, whatever if you're a fan the other fans want you there yeah yeah. You know, don't fucking stop yeah where's the fans that make fucking music great as well isn't it? Yeah. having that shared experience yeah exactly at a, at a gig for sure but yeah I think we're ready for uh, Caitlin's note now yeah so James asked me what my experience in gigs was like in terms of safety as a woman, so how safe I felt in gigs as a woman. Um, so I talked about how I went to loads of gigs in Bristol with my two best friends who are girls, Jasmine and Louise. And the three of us, would we went to loads of gigs and... I mean, basically, I always felt very, very safe in gigs. As a woman, I never felt any kind of intimidation or uncomfortable feelings from from anyone or no unwanted attention. We always had a great time. It was like dance loads, uh, 
usually would like meet people and have good chats. It was great. Um, but I have had bad experiences in clubs. And I have felt like a complete contrast, like actually felt quite predated on in clubs. It's a completely different atmosphere. But um, I guess that's because when you go to a gig, everyone there is there to see the band, presumably. So you're kind of like united. You're all there for the same reason. And, you know, the gig kind of like unites you. So, which is also why it's a good place to meet people because you're kind of like there for the same reason. And if you're united, you're not really going to want to feel at odds with the other people there. So I guess it's not that surprising, really, that gigs are a very safe space. And I think they are for most women, really. I don't think... I know anyone who's had a bad experience at a gig as a woman, but I do know lots of people who've had bad experiences in clubs. Because um, obviously it's a different crowd, it's a different vibe entirely. People aren't there to enjoy music, they're there to get drunk and be rowdy. Um, the, I mean, I suppose the one thing I did say, which... I thought was quite interesting was the only time I have felt intimidated at a gig was actually from another woman um, who was sort of fighting for space at the barrier because we both wanted to be at the front and I sort of like squidged my way in and she quite aggressively held her ground. <laughs> um, but that was, I think we talked about the fact I, I think sometimes women, men go out of their way often to be accommodating and gentlemanly because they're aware. Um, And women sometimes, I think, think they can get away with it. They can get away with being aggressive because we're the ones who've been predated on. So they do this sort of backwards, I guess it's a double standard, basically. Um. So yes, overall, I would say gigs are a very safe space. Um, I always have loads of fun, always meet really good people and always feel like encouraged, just encouraged. Like everyone's having a great time. Everyone's like, no, no, after you. Enjoying each other's like dancing and getting involved. It's Yeah, never say I felt unsafe at a gig. And that's it. <laughs> So it's important to acknowledge for people listening to think that that is a reason for the... It doesn't exist, because it does. Um, because that proves as a massive scale in terms of how female experience manifests itself. Um, but people who are anxious socially and struggle within the physical element of moshes still have that experience, whether or not there are females that exist who don't. It's not about a portion of females going, it's fine for me and that makes it fine for everyone. It's not fine for everyone. So that's kind of the point. Hmm. But it then does show that there's also scope for it to improve and to get to a point where it can be like that for everyone. Um, it is refreshing to hear that she, you know, she has a gentleman like, hmm. experiences at gigs as well. Yeah, it's really nice to know that, like, you know, a, a long-standing friend of mine has had nigh on nothing but good experiences at gigs. 
and what seems to be a bit of a theme again it's not that not that we're here to investigate or come up with a remedy to it but again it seems to be that the smaller venues kind of promote that atmosphere and her consistent appearance at gigs in Bristol has re- resulted in a lack of poor experiences yeah and and so like when me and Caitlin I first introduced the idea to Caitlin about this podcast when we were having this conversation um, she also mentioned then it, it might also have something to do with the types of gigs that she goes to yeah so again it's like people it's all about the fans like it's all about going to see the music for them as as Caitlin's mentioned and then like as as you guys will well know that the venues in Bristol tend to be smaller or there's a lot of smaller venues where you can guarantee you go to a gig every week is what I'm trying to say and and then like yeah again when me and Caitlin were talking she was saying that like you know she was going to see bands like menstrual cramps and stuff like that where like um, untoward acts or acts of sexual assault is a very very unlikely um, case of that happening in a, in a gig of a band like that and, and what's funny is that the experience she said she did have with the other female is, is driven from the two of them being such strong fans of the music Yeah, and the, the aggression towards each other hasn't come from a sinister place it's come from wanting to be at the front and that's that's the way it should be. If there are any issues in the crowd, it should be about both wanting to be yeah. in front and have a good time. Who's the biggest fan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what we boiled down to, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. So the next voice note is coming from Barry. Also another one, uh, another fan voice note. Uh, this one lends a little bit of a different perspective. Talking about a bit more about DJ sets and stuff like that, which uh, is pretty interesting. So yeah, let's get into it. So through uni, I generally got into the more electronic side of music. So I ended up going to lots of live DJ sets and events like that. Um, and yeah, generally, I've got had really positive experiences. I don't know whether that's because I was always in quite big groups going to these events and like going to the sets. So it made it a lot easier. And especially having a lot of boys were in these groups as well. So that does just make you feel a bit safer in general anyway. Um, I think, yeah, I've, I think the only bad experience, not even bad experience, but um, there was a time when I was in Teak and I had, I just had a crossbody bag on and the... Obviously, some guy behind me was next to my friend and me, and apparently he was pretty much almost in my bag. And so, luckily, the security guy had been watching and came over straight away and obviously stopped that from happening. I'm not entirely sure what happened to the guy, and oh, I want to say that he got kicked out, but like that just could be my imagination. But yeah, like that's just I just feel like that's just something that shouldn't happen and like especially at quite a small event which is a shame because usually in those events like I do find that people are usually there for the right reasons and the right reasons being wanting to hear good music and well good mixes from the DJs but yeah I think the only issue I find with going to DJ sets and stuff like that is it's now I find you get more 
people wanting to go just for the night out and just to get absolutely fucked. Whereas you lose that kind of... You lose the people who are wanting to go, like, just purely because they love the DJ and, like, love the kind of music he's putting out there, which is great. And, like, a lot of the time, that's the mostly the reasons we were there. But... Yeah, I think when you've got that, like people aren't interested in anything else really, which is great and are generally quite friendly. I think the other issue is, I think the only time I get a bit like anxious or worried is when I lose people or like I've gone to the loo and or gone to quite drinks and then I'm like, oh shit, how am I going to get back in? Because we do usually go to the front area and like I find it really hard because I'm not a very pushy person myself to get back into that position whereas people sometimes can be a bit like dismissive and be like oh you're not actually looking for your mates you just wanted to get in close and I don't think that should be the case which is kind of unfortunate but yeah I find that really difficult and then also yeah I feel like obviously it does happen and probably happened to a lot of girls like the arse grab kind of thing which happens in these events, happens everywhere, which shouldn't really be okay at all. And and I do think to myself, like, if I turn around and it was like Brad Pitt did it to me, would I be as bothered? Probably not. And I think that is an issue. And I think that is something I should really think about because it's not okay either way. Be it a creepy guy who you've just perceived as creepy. It's not even that he is creepy, but he obviously shouldn't be doing it. But, yeah, I think that is an issue that should be thought about it's not just about the person and same with guys I know it does happen to guys too and that is just not okay like if people want to feel safe going to events or gigs alone which they should feel that way um I think until things like that stop like how are people going to feel that way especially if you're a bit anxious in general about these things anyway but yeah I've also had a really good experience is in um festivals as well so like during this time I was into the electronic music I could go to Gotwood almost every year and yeah I think that was such a great experience I didn't know what it was about the festival whether it's because it, they'd made it smaller well they tried to keep it as small as they can uh could and yeah they never tried to make it too big they wanted to keep it like it was they didn't want to expand it and obviously then you've got the people who just really want to go for the right reasons I think and yeah, and I felt as if even the security there and the organisers, they were just really, really like enthusiastic and really wanted to keep everyone safe. And I feel like in the bigger festivals, you have got people who are just volunteering just to get tickets. So you kind of lose that. But yeah, I've never felt ever in danger in Gotwood, even when I'm on my own. And that is unusual for me. I do kind of find people straight away, which always worked out well, considering we were in different parts of a forest but yeah it's I don't know why that that worked well but yeah that's pretty much what I've got to say what's interesting is that the same message reverberates again it's scale is the issue yeah because she alludes to the fact Marion alludes to the fact that she has a good experience at festivals which contradicts what other females have said but then straight away she says that they're smaller festivals yeah she te- and she says which festival it is yeah and why it was exactly and there's subcultural festivals they're not commercial festivals and within that comes a a better understanding of etiquette and 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 behaviour I think the other thing interesting thing that Mary did say was about fans 
So when she was at events and there were fellow fans who were there because they were fans, it was a great experience. Everyone was there for the for the music and for the fun, for the experience. They weren't there for entertainment outside of the music. Yeah. You know, and and again, like, a bit like what we were saying around about ourselves being fans in mosh pits is you want to be surrounded by other fans because that's when you know that's yeah. why everybody's there aren't they they're not there for the experience of buddy getting off their tits and that's not the experience the experience is being there for the music and for the entertainment because you yeah. love it so much and it even though it's in for me i'm not a huge electronic music fan i'm a fan but i'm not you know like it was refreshing to hear that that's that's reverberated there as well as yeah. in in there in that form of entertainment too. Yeah, perhaps because that's something we we line up a DJ set and think, oh, that's a good night out. You don't go there for the the act. The not, entertainment, not, not yeah, in the, the show. same way. Like yeah, not in the same way we'd go to a gig for that sort of thing. Like you know, yeah, yeah. I I think the more we've gone around the subject of um, scale and. And things like that. One of the big takeaways I've got is that music industry at its core and its subcultural and smallest level is a place that promotes the right values. And I'd say 90% of musicians share those values and those, those morals. So when it gets to a, a bigger size event like Glastonbury or like a Liam Gallagher gig or something, if the, the people who are going to that gig for their first gig in six months go and just take five minutes to process the fact what they're going to see, which is music, and who are they going to go into, you know, worship as a musician, what values do they hold? And uh, that would generally be the same values as everyone else in these small music venues. So why the hell would you go to an event and watch the person you adore and worship, but not conduct yourself with the same values and morals and think that you're exempt to that? It's completely contradictory to what because they don't to. though. It's because they don't, they don't worship them and they don't love them. They're going because they're a household name. Yeah, and they're going to say that they've seen, say that they've been doing it for the grand name. And then this is, where, this is then, <laughs> but then Pricks. this is the thing I was leading up to. Is then what, what it then brings it back to is that when you have bands, unfortunately, like Kasabian with Tom, who then this happens. For the large majority of us, it shocks us and it appalls us. But subconsciously, to those people who do these things at the big scale events, it validates their behaviour and thinks that they're, you know, they're still the, they still hold themselves to the same male. Male values that they think are right and are not are not right. So yeah, now we're going to move on to how it feels to be an artist. Um, and we've got a friend of ours, Amelia Dare, who's a young artist in London, and she's going to tell us a little bit about how you've got to navigate certain things uh, as a young female musician. Hello, it's Amelia Dare here for LES Podcast. I'm an R&B soul artist based in London, but originally from Bath. I've been writing music now for about four years and released my debut single teaser at the start of this year. So I'm quite new to the game, but I'm just here to share a bit about my experience as a woman within the industry. I can't really say that I've experienced firsthand any real discrimination for being a woman or feeling disrespected or told that I can't do something because I'm a woman uh, within the music industry. However, I know 
that friends of mine that are also musicians and artists have experienced that, that are women, obviously, um, have experienced that. Um, so I know that it does exist and, and there's definitely been moments where it has peaked its head a little bit and I've been in situations where I have felt outspoken or underrepresented or kind of made to feel like I'm I'm not allowed to be in this space or that I'm not good enough to be in this space because I'm a woman. And if I'm honest, I think that's the worst kind, you know, the low-key gaslighting that women experience regularly um, in the music industry. Um, I think that's the worst kind and I think that's really where the problem is. But yeah, my main experiences have really been when I'm at gigs um, or studio sessions or rehearsals. I always find that I'm surrounded by men. Sound engineer, male. Promoter, male. Producer, male. Musicians, male. The list goes on. Um, We're so used to seeing that, but actually that's really the problem. You know, there's such a lack of representation across the board and for no good reason in my opinion you know there's female sound engineers out there there's female producers out there there's female promoters musicians out there it's just a matter of actively seeking them out and giving them those opportunities one thing I have really noticed over the past couple of years especially this year since I've been releasing music is the types of people that contact me and um, offer me opportunities and all been men male A&Rs, male promoters, and obviously it's great and those opportunities are wonderful, but it is frustrating that, you know, nine times out of ten, it's a man that contacts me and, and not a woman. Um, It just kind of really sheds light on the fact that it is still an issue and clearly women aren't being hired for those roles and that's a real problem. I do really want to try harder to surround myself with more women within the industry I guess it's just hard when you're starting out as an independent artist, especially. You don't really get those choices early on. You kind of have to roll with the punches and the opportunities that come your way. But I hope one day I'll be able to actively choose to have more women represent me and and work with me. I think one of the main struggles women have within the industry is also this need to look a certain way. You know, male artists can turn up to a gig in a tracksuit or shorts and a t-shirt and make very minimal effort with how they look and not really be judged for it. Whereas there's an expectation on female artists to look good all of the time. If I showed up to one of my gigs in a tracksuit and no makeup, I think people would probably think, cool, she's had a rough day. Um, You know, I do think we all need to check ourselves a bit more and our predisposition so that we're actively not judging women for their looks before hearing what they have to say. Um, I think that's really important, you know, men wander freely in this world to be who they want to be and they always are judged first by what they bring to the table and not what they look like. In my opinion though, I do think this always does come back to what stereotypes were shown at a young age and what we feel we're capable of achieving when we're young and at school and thinking about where we fit in and our dreams and our goals and aspirations. We can break those stereotypes and encourage girls to step outside the norms. I think we'd have this new generation of women that aren't afraid to break boundaries and own their space. Although I know that there's definitely been a shift and women definitely these days are embracing their artistry and feeling more empowered, I do still think there's so much further to go. Um, and I do think it does start from education and, and you know, really encouraging girls from a young age to, to really do something different. I think the beginning of that is massively relative to what we spoke about at the start, about the political manipulation that 
men in act in the yeah. world now. It's completely different to how it was in the 50s and 60s where women had to be subservient to these overt acts. Yeah. And from a musician saying that she's experienced that political mind game and that tactical sort of manipulation that prevents them from promoting themselves to the next level. It was interesting in like in what Millie said, it was like no first hand experience. Yeah. But then there's a whole caveat of all this other stuff which is part is is systematic then. Yeah. Isn't it? It's not just it's not a direct act that has has been a bad experience. But the the way that the system is orchestrated is male dominated. And what's worse is that Millie's explained she hasn't first hand experienced that, yet before her career's even begun, she's aware of that issue. Yeah. So she's not she's not afforded the rights that male artists are afforded whereby they're going and performing at gigs and promoting their brand, their band, um, becoming, you know, a bigger star. There there are things that female a young female artist has to think about before their career even begins. And those things shouldn't be there to be thought about. No. Do you know what I mean? It's that's the problem. Um so yeah, I just think it's it's the and in with that mindset being instilled to them, that's a toxic environment for women to develop and grow in because they're being told before they've even started that this is gonna be a difficult journey for them. It makes the point of entry so much harder. Yeah. It makes access to being a performing artist that much harder as a female. If you've got if you have that to go up against, yeah. whereas a male counterpart doesn't, like a lot of people would be deterred. Yeah. If if I if, me myself, if I had known I had to go into that, I'd be second guessing. And and that's unfortunately why then sexuality has been made a currency by these male power figures because they give the they manipulate female artists into thinking this is the this is the the system by which you've got to follow if you want to become a big star. But here's a get out of jail free card as you um, have a sexual demeanour or presence or marketing strategy and then you'll be a star. Yeah. It just completely undercuts the whole the musical value of their their journey. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's frustrating. Yeah, it's frustrating for all of like it's frustrating for us to sit here and hear that, and have to absorb that. But then like, that's gonna be so small on the scale of frustration that Millie's gonna feel. Yeah, and other like budding performing artists. Yeah, are gonna feel. Yeah, I agree, and, and then the contradictory element of that is that then, is that when, their sexual lyricism or marketing is then being put to the general public there's a massive population of people who then go well that's disgusting like why like what's that got to do with the music and well uh, right on cue right now is is whack right yeah for that yeah. i mean how many plays has it got exact loads and exactly. what choice do they have but to you know overtly adopt the strategy that these powerful men are manipulating into to adopting yeah, or or is it a big fuck you to um, male performing artists who have um, performed with lyrics that are just as 
Vulgar. Vulgar. Yeah, vulgar. I was thinking grotesque, but vulgar is certainly the word. With lyrics as vulgar and being like, well, if you can play that game, we can play that too. Yeah. And if, on that front, I think it's a fucking great tune. Yeah. And I fucking stand by it. I don't think it's a particularly good song. I don't really <laughs> like it, but for that value. And I will, I, I, I will say um, that if a male performing artist was to use lyrics and a, produce a song as vulgar as that, I wouldn't enjoy it. I don't enjoy music like that. Yeah. And I, I'm, I, I'm not a softly spoken man. I, like, and I'll say stuff for effect. Like, whatever. But like, I think that's another limit again. Another push past further. Yeah. And, um, and it's reclaiming the narrative because Cardi B exists within a genre that's uh, very male dominated. Yeah. It's historically had very misogynistic lyrics. Like hip, hip hop has been awful yeah. and so misogynistic and Cardi B has reclaimed the narrative and gone okay I'm the biggest star yeah. and I'm going to talk about this and it's on my terms it's not yeah. you know and in and, and the physicality of it all they're talking about it, like pussy but men aren't talking about it I'm talking about it yeah. it's mine and that's what and then it comes back to the education and the people who are our age and this present day or older and go oh that's disgusting you know that was never music like that in our day but the point of the, that music is for the people who are younger and who've never experienced anything before, for it to be normal to them. So then these young women grow up and don't and feel like femininity is not they feel like femininity is normalised because they're listening to mainstream artists who are normalised. Yeah. And it's not the other way around. That's the big difference, I think. Well, I like I'm like I said, I'm a massive fan of that song and the respect. It levels that playing field of like if if, if men are gonna rap and then specifically in hip hop are gonna um produce songs that are as vulgar as that and why the fuck can't women exactly and I completely back it 100% yeah. and I think it's it's a very powerful song yeah for those reasons yeah I agree I agree and yeah it, it and that merely alludes to it then is that it's about creating a culture that young women feel normalised by and it, then it's then in the next 20 years creates the genre of great British female artists who are who are being themselves and are not being subservient to norms that have been yeah. established by... But do you know what's frightening is I listened to Annie Nightingale, you know, Radio 1's longest serving thing, presenter. I listened to her Desert Island podcast recently, uh, Desert Island Discs recently, and she she talked about in the 70s how she was rebuffed, was the term that she used by everybody at Radio 1. Yeah. Because Radio 1 produced, obviously, in response to Radio Luxembourg. And then just constantly up against it constantly she was the first ever radio presenter female radio presenter at the BBC and just like then in the 70s which was like what we talked about earlier about how it was expected then but we're 50 years on from that now do you yeah. know what I mean but there, there are there are ladies who are in the music industry and especially that the Annie is 19 is definitely put yeah. the way for this no there's Lauren Laverne and then obviously Annie Mack and her own festival do you know, but you know what's great is we're we're us now, ten years ago, we wouldn't have. We're listening back to radio shows or looking at gig line, um, festival lineups like Annie Max, and we're noticing female representation because of the movement that's shedding light on it. And ten years ago, I wouldn't have noticed that. I would have just seen the lineup. Whereas now we're conscious of it, and that's yeah. the big. That's the point. And a lot of people were deterred and distasted by that. But 
that is the point is that you're acknowledging it whether yeah. you like it or not and you have to acknowledge it uh, and you know like Animax Festival by marketing it and, and telling everyone the lineup representation is equal it's giving people no choice but to understand that in the future when they look at other headlining posters not just her own festivals we can say that about this episode like we're like we we wanted to talk about it like granted we've been um so we've absorbed that content of like these lineups and like having that focus being given to us but then we wanted to put that out there as well from our own media platform yeah but I think there's another media platform that does require a mention especially given the nature of this episode is Girls Against yeah I mean you know standing up against sexual assault and misogyny in the live music scene building valuable educational resources safe spaces of an inclusivity that's their that's their message and that's their yeah. goal I mean Instagram handle girls.against fucking go on do you know what I mean yeah it just backs up everything that we're saying and they are probably much better not probably they are definitely much better positioned to educate and, and help than we are yeah however we just don't want to use this to, to draw attention to, to them so yeah we certainly like direct all our listeners to go check them out for sure yeah. for sure because they they articulate what we're trying to articulate but they're females and they know their experience better than we're ever going to know so they're going to be best place to understand it but you know we're we're we are males and in the music industry as music fans we've been afforded privileges and we're acknowledging those privileges to try and affect change and and not not ignore our privileges and say there's no difference because we're we're completely accepting there is a difference and we've been afforded rights that women haven't and as long as other male music fans accept that and use that privilege to affect change whether that be help someone in a mosh pit or call out sexual assault within a within a crowd that makes a difference it's, a lot of males don't like to accept it because they feel like they're being personally attacked. But the minute you accept that we are afforded more privileges, the easier it is for us and in turn the easier it becomes for everyone to be equal. Alright, so coming coming up to the end of the episode as we always do, we've got an episode playlist. And um, in theme with the podcast uh, this episode um, we are not deciding on the playlist ourselves we've handed over the we, reins we've handed over the reins to our friends Millie Mary Holly and Caitlin in that order I'm not sure if that's how it's appearing on the playlist but uh, yeah we'll hand the reins over and this is what the girls are picking for their and songs. It's all, it's all female artists as well. That's the main the main thing to remember as well. Most definitely. Every episode comes with a theme on the playlist. And uh, yeah, so thank you ladies for setting us up with such a sick playlist yeah, for this episode. So my first choice is by Leanne Le Havas. It's Bittersweet from her new self-titled album. It came out a few months ago in the summer. It's been a bit of a lockdown classic for me. I've had it on repeat really since it came out. And I think this, the whole album, but this this song is the standout for me. I think that it's just so gorgeous. Um, she's super talented. And yeah, I, I just feel like this song in particular is kind of a, like a reset moment and really represents that kind of change that you're ready for. 
that you're like on the cusp of and it's a bit scary but it's what you need and it definitely resonated during the kind of re-emerging from lockdown time that it came out in so yeah hit home that one my second choice is another indie song but a bit less solely and a bit heavier kind of rocky this time um it's 17 by Sharon Van Etten um from her album Remind Me Tomorrow which came out last year I just find her fascinating I watched her Glastonbury performance from 2019 and since then I've just been slightly obsessed with her um I just feel like this song particularly like there's something really nostalgic and lovely about it like she's so cool and it is a very cool track um but yeah there's something really relatable and yeah something that you can kind of apply to your own life with the kind of concept of just like growing up and all the weirdness surrounding adulthood and looking back at your kind of best years and yeah it's just a a really lovely track and my final choice is I Know The End by Phoebe Bridges. I had to include a Phoebe Bridges song because she's just my biggest musical inspiration at the moment. I'm really excited to see what she's going to put out. And yeah, I just absolutely love everything she does. Um, but this is the final track from her latest album, Punisher, which was also a um, lockdown summer release that I've been listening to loads. Um, and... Yeah, I just love this one. I love how long and sprawling it is. And it's kind of two songs in one, really. Um, It builds from this quite gentle, like, classic kind of, like, indie singer-songwritery style that she does so well at the beginning to quite a heavy, rocky track by the end. And it's just, yeah, sums up this kind of existential dread that our generation is just plagued by with horrible pandemics and terrible politics and the stuff that we kind of have grown up in and are having to deal with at the moment and I think it's just a really poignant song at the moment. So I've chosen three songs. The first song is called Slow Days by Sir and um, Sir are a Bristol-based band who I always wanted to see. I saw posters of them around the place and I always remember thinking like oh I need to go see them. I uh, ended up seeing them at a festival in Somerset called Farm Fest. Um, and they were absolutely amazing. I basically spent the whole gig stood at the front with my <laughs> jaw wide open and my head in both my hands, just like, oh my God. <laughs> um, they were really good. The So there is a male drummer. Um but the two girls who play guitar and sing are, like, mesmerising. They're so good. Um, second song is Billie Eilish, Zanny. Billie Eilish, she's just got a great voice. It's just lush. Her voice is lush. And I like this song because her voice with the bass, if you put headphones on and just sit there and listen to it and let all the bass, like, reverberate through you with her voice, it's nice. Very nice. And then the final song is by a band called Fanny, who were active in the 70s, all-girl band in the 70s. And the song is called Ain't That Peculiar. Um, Yeah, it's just got a sick riff. And they're all women making music in the 70s, which is pretty radical for back then. And uh, it's a good song.
Cool. So the songs I've chosen, I kind of want them to be quite different in background, sound, nationality, etc. So the first one I've gone for is Keep the Change by Mathilde. And this whole album is great and she's got a really unique voice and I think this is the only reason I chose this song is when I keep going back to. Um, yeah, she's just got a really cool bluesy rock kind of vibe going on. Um, second song I chose is The Link Is About To Die by Los Bichos. This is really cool because it's such a fun song and there's no vocals in it. It's just all about the music and yeah, it's just one to get up and dance to I think and then the third song I chose is Interini and that's by Fatumata Diwara which is a really great modern kind of African-y jazzy tune and it's just yeah it's just a great great song and she seems like an artist who is really really proud of her African heritage and yeah and this week, my three songs for the playlist are firstly, a brand new artist that I've been listening to. She's from the Netherlands and she's called Gaida. Uh, the song is off her latest EP, Overture, and it's called Stranger, featuring Saba. My next song is from a British artist called Tiana Major 9. It's a song she wrote with Earth Gang for the Queen and Slim soundtrack earlier this year. And I love it so much. It's called Collide. And finally, my last song for the playlist is actually my own release. It's a song that I released back in June of this year and it's called Wrong About Me. Thank you guys for listening.